We all face choices in life, but all of us face those choices that are made for us. Those things over which we really didn't have any control. And we hope that the people who are making those choices on our behalf are making good choices for us. That certainly was the case for the nation of Israel. As Moses describes the covenant relationship that they had with God, he also describes the careful choice that God had made for the nation and the reasons for that choice. We find this description here in Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 7 and following this morning. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is Faith, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. This morning, I hope all of us will leave this place with a better understanding of how important it is that we have been chosen by God. We all need to realize the significance of of being chosen. Now you'll remember up to this point the nation of Israel had gone through a lot of highs and a lot of lows in their history. God had chosen Abraham to be the father of a great nation and that promise was fulfilled in miraculous and extraordinary ways. Eventually, God brought the nation of Israel into Egypt through the experience of Joseph. And you remember that extraordinary story. How Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and then brought into leadership in the nation of Egypt through the intervention of God so that he could save not only the nation of Egypt, but also the nation of Israel from the terrible drought that was to come upon both of them. Israel was brought into that nation, Joseph's family at that time. And as the people of Israel grew, they enjoyed a favored status in Egypt. And then that began to go south. Eventually, the Egyptians would enslave the Israelites. But then God would bring forth another leader, Moses, to lead them out of slavery. This generation whom Moses is speaking had seen ten plagues in Egypt. They'd seen the parting of the Red Sea. They had seen manna from heaven. They'd seen water from a desert rock. And Moses now tells them why all of that and all that was to come had happened. Verse 7, he says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Israel was not chosen because of their size. They were not chosen because of their power. 
They were a small nation of people forgotten by the rest of the world. They were subdued in a foreign land. They had no hope except in the one true God who could save them. And he did. And now they were on a journey to the land God had promised them. It was exciting so much so that there would be temptation to forget who it was who had given them these blessings. Who had brought them where they were. Moses reminds them that God had redeemed them. That was a a word that they would understand very well. As former slaves, they would know what it was to be redeemed. For someone to step in and purchase you out of slavery and set you free. They would understand what that entailed. They would understand that God had stepped in and purchased them out of slavery in Egypt. Only God could have done it. And he did. And the reason was even more exciting. He did it because he chose them. Realizing that you're chosen is important. We celebrate being chosen in life. Entertainment circles spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, campaigning to get their movie chosen to receive an Oscar. Now, intellectuals scoff at that and kind of turn up their nose and say, well, that's just the entertainment world. And then they turn around and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars positioning themselves to win a Nobel Prize. We value being chosen. We value it so much that we want no child to go unchosen. In sports, everybody gets a participation ribbon. In most youth leagues, rules ensure that everyone is selected for a team and that everyone has the opportunity to play. Even when you get to the upper levels of sports, all the humility-laden speeches thanking mom aside, you better believe that whoever wins that Heisman Trophy or that MVP award, you go into their home, it's going to be right up there on the mantle for everybody to see. We like to be Chosen, and for good reason. An Oscar-winning movie typically makes a lot more money at the box office. A Heisman Trophy winner or MVP award winner negotiates to get a higher paycheck. We recognize the value of being chosen. The nation of Israel needed to recognize the value that they had been chosen By God. They had been chosen out of His providence. They'd been chosen out of His love. They'd been chosen out of His grace. They needed to remember how extraordinary it was that they were chosen. So you may be asking, well, what's that got to do with me? That's nice that Israel was a chosen nation. But how does that benefit me today? There's something you need to understand. You have been chosen also. 
Here's what God says about you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We have been chosen, and not just chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people belonging to God. And we've been chosen for a purpose, to declare the praises of God. Now, the people of Israel had been chosen for a purpose. They were chosen by God to serve Him, to obey Him, and by doing so, to glorify God before all the nations so that all the nations might know the one true God. Well, folks, we have a purpose as well. And we have an instruction toward that purpose. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. There the Bible says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now let's take a look at that. First of all, Chosen by God, you're holy. Set apart to God. We need to realize what that means. That when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're changed. We're not the same anymore. We are made holy by the one true, holy, righteous God. The only one who could do that for us. We don't deserve that. We've not earned our way to be holy. God has made us holy. But it doesn't stop there. You are deeply loved. God treasures you. God values you. You're the work of His hands. God's not like your family at Thanksgiving. He actually wants you to stay around. He wants you here. He wants you in His presence. He wants you with Him for all eternity. Now, knowing all of that, knowing all that God has done, knowing that He has made us holy, knowing that we are dearly loved, how do we respond to that? We respond with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We live in a very fortunate age where there are great training opportunities for anyone who would like to do so to find employment. And it's not just job training, as important as that is. It's important to know the skills that are necessary to do a job. 
But also it's, it's important to be trained in how to get a job, how to search for the right job, how to prepare a resume, how to do well in a job interview. That training exists because way too often people fail to get a job, not because they don't have the skills, but, but, but simply because they don't know how to do an interview well. For example, and these come from Reader's Digest, these are some, some quotes from some folks who, who do hiring, and they tell some, some things that have happened to them uh, in that process. One writes, we ask prospective job applicants at our business to fill out a questionnaire. For the line entitled, choose one word to summarize your strongest professional attribute, one woman wrote, I'm very good at following instructions. Some of you will get that later. I promise you will. Here's another one. An individual applied for a customer service job, and when asked why he might not like or what he doesn't like about customer service jobs, he said, dealing with people. Now, that guy's going to do well. going to do well. Then the candidate told the interviewer he was fired from his last job for beating up his boss. Yeah, that's the guy I want working for me. There you are. And then my favorite, a guy who forgot dark socks to wear uh, with his suit and colored his in his ankles with a black felt tip marker. <laughs> now, I'm guessing most of us wouldn't try that trick, although, you know, that was pretty ingenious to color in your ankle there, I guess. But we get the point. Most people understand that to get the job, you've got to do well in the job interview. And that includes dressing well for the interview. You're not going to go in wearing sweatpants and a headband to an interview for a bank job. We get that. Well, the Bible tells us that we have been chosen by God. How do we dress for success? We clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, those are wonderful words. We we like those words. We especially want people to treat us with those kinds of characteristics. But sometimes we read that kind of a verse in the Bible, and we just kind of say, well, that's a really nice verse. I like that. And we, we, we move on. I don't want you to do that this morning. Folks, everyone here in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been chosen by God. And here's what he wants you to do. Here's how you can say thank you. Here's how you can go from this place and be successful in your life for Christ. Think of something you can do today that will show compassion to someone. Someone maybe that doesn't deserve it. Someone maybe that has rubbed you the wrong way. Someone maybe that you have every right to go up to them and just tell them what for. But because you've been chosen by God, you make a decision. You know what? I'm going to deal with this situation with compassion. This person is a person created by God. This is a person who's loved by God. This is a person who Jesus died on the cross for them. And I'm going to deal with this situation. I'm going to choose to deal with this situation in the way that God has dealt with me, with compassion. 
Think of something you can do today that would show someone in your life kindness. It's amazing how powerful kindness can be. Just a kind word. A a helpful action. Something that that says to them, you're a person of value. I care about you. And, And by the way, God cares about you too. Think of something specifically you can do for someone that will show them kindness or humility. Ooh, this is a tough one. (laughs) We all have things that we deserve, or at least we think we do. We have things maybe we've worked for. We have things maybe we we have have strived for. And, and, you know, we, we have our way, and we think, you know, it ought to be done our way. But what's something you could do today that would say, you know what, I'm not the most important person in the room. What's something you could do today that would say to someone else, you're valued by God. And you're so valued by God, I'm willing to set aside something that maybe I had the right to have. But I extend to you that right. How could you treat someone today with humility or gentleness? How could you be gentle Today, you know, we all have those times when our blood gets boiling. We're talking to that customer service rep on the phone, and we're just going, "Why can't they get this?" What's something you could do today to treat a person with gentleness? To understand, hey, that person's been on the phone all day long today. They've been doing a job that has absolutely no gratitude whatsoever. What if you just stopped in the middle of that conversation and said, "You know," This conversation is not exactly going the way that I want it to go, but, but, but I want you to know how I'm thankful that you're doing the job. I'm thankful that you answered the phone and talked to me for a minute. And were, I, I, I appreciate you doing that. I know it's a tough job, and I appreciate it. What is something you could do that would treat someone else with gentleness and patience? We all want others to treat us with patience because we know how many times we fail. What's something you could do today? that would show patience to someone else, that would say to them, hey, I know you're a work in progress. I know God's working in your life, and and that takes some time sometimes, and so I'm willing to be patient with you right now. Think of something specific. Even just pick one of those. I mean, you know, we all wish we could do all of those all the time, but just pick one of them and say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to show somebody compassion. I'm going to treat someone with kindness. I'm going to live with humility. I'm going to show gentleness to someone. I'm going to be patient with someone. And why? Because I'm chosen by God. Dress for success. Because you are chosen by God. Heavenly Father, help us. Sometimes a beautiful verse like this just slides right by us almost because of its beauty. We we see the extraordinary words and forget that we really need to live that out. So God, help us. Help us to dress for success. To clothe ourselves with some very difficult characteristics, with compassion, with kindness, 
with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Help us, Lord, because you love us. Help us because you treasure us. We don't deserve that, but you do. Help us, God, because you have chosen us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.